So hey, I had a good week. How about you guys? Yeah, it was good? I mean, it was a powerful service last week, and if you missed it, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, but you could still, you know, go listen online and, and, and reap the benefits of that as well. Um, but I mean, we were here, we we're confessing our sin to one another. I hope that continued all week and that you're just like filled with the Holy Spirit because you're not filled with all the idols, right? But, but the consistency then is, is the important thing, right? The steadfastness, the faithfulness, the like, let's go do it again and again, right? Confession isn't a one-time thing. It's keep going. So as I moved on in Acts uh, and started to uh, study the next section, um, the title of the message is this, stay focused on the mission. You got to stay focused on the mission, right? I know confession and all that, and we had a great time last week, but like now we got to stay focused on that. Let's never get off of the bullseye. What's the mission? Make disciples, right? Make disciples. That's our mission. Glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. We want to make disciples. That's the short way we say it. So if you're cheating, you say it, make disciples, all right? But what's some things that get us off uh, mission? Go ahead, give me, give me some things. What are some things that get you distracted from or get you off the mission? Busyness? Work? School? What else? Idols, yeah. We see that in the passage. Relationships can be idols too. What else? Fear of man, yeah. I mean, it's just so many things, right, that can get you off track. And we're like trying to go like right here, just laser focused, just stay focused on the mission. So as we think about that, I just I want to point out one thing before I get in the message, because this is like a, you know, sometimes there's like, like the sovereignty of God messages, and then sometimes they're like the, hey, we have something to do too messages, and that's one of those, okay? Uh, so, so today, it's, it's like, hey, we need to do, we need to resolve, we need to, um, but we are never going to get on this without understanding this, right? So making disciples, we understand that the power of making disciples comes from God. We get that? I mean, everybody confessed their sin, that was nothing like man-made. Like we had a decision to make, were we going to do it or not? But God's spirit had to inter- interject there. It's the same today. We all need to know that it depends on God's power, right? God sent Jesus. Did he not? You didn't send him. I didn't send him. God sent Jesus. That's who we follow, right? God gave us the word of God, and God gave us the spirit of God. That's how we know even what direction remotely to go and gives us the strength to go that way, right? To go forward in in this mission that we have. But we have a part. You might just say that. We have a part. No, you really do have a part. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say it. I have a part. You you have a part. We have a part to play. You're going to find it in Acts chapter 19. Go ahead and open up. We'll pick up where we left off, verse 21. We have a part to play. There's this dependence on God to do his part, and then there's this other side, determination to do what we should do. You got to have both. You got to have the dependence and then the determination, right? You got to have the Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you, and then the determination to follow hard after God's word because we have it in our hands. Three resolutions 
that keep me on mission. That's what you're going to see in the passage. Three resolutions that keep me on mission. And uh, you're there um, in Acts chapter 19. It's been so fun to study this book. I am not tired of it, even though we're in chapter 19. I hope you aren't either. Verse 21. I think I'll just read the whole passage for you straight through today and then come back through. uh, Since it's a shorter passage, I can do that. Now, after these events, Paul resolved, circle that, in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance. (laughs) It got crazy. Concerning the way, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth And you see and hear, and not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, that this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people. You know what he's saying? He's saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Imagine that. And there is danger, not only that this trade of ours will come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be disposed and her magnificence. (laughs) She whom all Asia and the world worship. Just a side note, there's 33 shrines at this point to Artemis in all of the Roman Empire. So he's not really lying, although not everyone worships Artemis. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So that the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. That must have been a wrestling match. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, Asiarchs are high-ranking officials, uh, wealthy people that were there by the Roman government to promote the Roman government, friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Don't get yourself killed, Paul. Now some cried out one thing and some another, and the assembly was in confusion. Most of them did not know why they had come together. Really? You don't even know why you're here? That's our world today. That's our world today. Some of the crowds prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, anti-Semitism even then, (laughs) for about two hours, they all cried out, this will bring them together, one voice, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, I'm not going to go on for two hours, 
the message would be really long. <laughs> but that's what they did for two hours. And when the town clerk, better, the mayor, that if you thought of it, our mayor, that'd be really good, had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there that doesn't know that the city of Ephesus is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? This isn't God's made with hands. This is like something bigger. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. They got nothing with our, our thing. If therefore Demetrius the cra and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open. And there are proconsuls, judges. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in a regular assembly. For we are really in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. That's astounding how quickly people get enraged and how easily they can be subsided. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, highlight that, encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions, we don't know how long it was, but it wasn't just a day, he had given them much encouragement. Underline that, much encouragement. He came to Greece and there he spent three months. He wrote Romans from there. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Paris, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy of Lystra, and the Asians... Tychicus and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days, we came to them at Troas and we stayed for seven days. That's our food for today. That's where we're going to leave off. We'll pick it up next week. It's going to be great. But, uh, you know, you read that last section, you're like, this is just a history book. <laughs> Like, I mean, how do I make sense of this? So I read this passage like a, a lot, again and again and again and again. I, I read it a lot. And I was like, what are you saying to us, God? What, are you, what, what is this about? What is, look at the first verse. Now, after these events, Paul resolved, I asked you to highlight that word, resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and then go to Jerusalem. You know that, just look here at the map. Okay, so look at, look at this map. Look at the map. The map, there it is. Okay, so Asia, he's in Ephesus, and he's like, I have to go through Macedonia and Achaia to get Jerusalem. Is that the right way? No, this, is, this doesn't make a lot of sense, right? But again, I'm resolved 
to do it. Here's a little tidbit that'll really help you with your thinking. He was going to Macedonia and Achaia. If you read the rest of the New Testament, you know he was collecting an offering, okay? First Corinthians, uh, or Second Corinthians chapter eight talks all about it. He's collecting this offering for the saints at Jerusalem. And then he's like, once I go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna go on a fourth missionary journey. He's already making a plan to go on a fourth missionary journey. You ever been on a mission trip? Did you have to make any plans? Do you have to raise any money? <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, you just don't go on a mission trip. You're just like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Where are you going? I don't know. What are you doing? I'm going to preach the gospel. This doesn't really happen. We kind of, we're planners, right? We make plans. So he made a plan. He resolved. That word resolve means to make up my mind, to decide, to put a plan in place. He resolved. A better word for us may be determined. Determination, right? I, I said dependence is one thing and determination, they got to go hand in hand. So this determination, I looked it up, the act of coming to a decision, settling a purpose. The quality of being resolute, firmness of purpose, right? You got to make a decision and it's a good decision to be like, I'm going to make disciples since that's what Jesus said we should do when he left. Here's the point. I am determined to make disciples. Now I want you to note that it says he resolved in the spirit. This wasn't just like, I'll do what I want to do, right? This wasn't like this chest pounding like we see on TV, you know, I hit the three, I, I, I made the shot, I'm going to do what I want to do, like I run the team. No, this was like in the spirit, I believe God's been, I wanted to go to Rome so many times, <laughs> right? And I believe God's now going to get me there and I'm going to go even past Rome to Spain. It says all that in Romans chapter 15. You can look it up. He resolved in the spirit. We don't make plans apart from God's word and his spirit. Did you know that? We need to have a plan. That's what I'm saying to you. Be determined. I am determined to make disciples. I have a plan. This is what I'm going to do. But we don't do that apart from his spirit. Right? So it's not like, I want to do what I want to do. No. I want to do what God's word tells me to do. Make disciples. I want to do what God's spirit nudges me to do. Who? Right? When? We were reading, reading James. Uh, our, our family was reading James chapter 4 the other day, uh, trying to work through James. We've got to get to chapter 5, eh? Can we finish that up, Tate? Can you remind me? All right, let's get to chapter five. All right, and, and chapter four, right? And uh, if you read it, I think it's like verses 13, 14, 15. It's like, what you who say today or tomorrow will go into such a city and buy and sell and get gain. And what is your life? It's a breath, right? Instead, you ought to say, if God wills, we will do this or that. I think we need to walk around as believers, determined, right? But dependent. If God wills, I'm going to do this or that. If God wills, I'm going to do this or that. That's the way we go through life. I think uh, just reading these verses, and, and he sends uh, after this, right? After I've been to Rome, um, or after I've been to Jerusalem, I want to go to Rome. And then he, and he says this, I, I sent to Macedonia two of my helpers, Timothy and Erastus, and he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So I just thought, you know, to well-round this, like you're reading through this and you got you to know like 1 Corinthians is a big part of this, 2 Corinthians is a big part of this, 
Romans is a big part of this. If you go read all those books, you kind of like, they all go together with this passage right here. And so I thought just, we could just read uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 11 together. It's on the screen. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. So he's talking to the Corinthians in Corinth. For I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Well, he knows where he's going. Where's he going? Where's he going? He said he was going to Jerusalem, right? I'm going to Jerusalem, okay? For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Do you see that? If the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So how long did he stay in Ephesus? Until Pentecost. Pentecost is in spring. It's right after Easter, okay? And so he's like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to do. So you can kind of get the timing, right? He's going to go up to Macedonia. Well, it'd be that way for you guys. Up to Macedonia and down to Achaia. And he's like going to spend the winter, the three months of winter where he can't travel. And then when he's done, he's going to try to get on a boat and go before Easter, right? Before Passover, he's going to try to go to Jerusalem. That's his plan. For a wide door of effective work has opened to me. Do you think three years in Ephesus, everybody in Asia knows Jesus Christ? This might be an understatement of the decade. Yeah, it's a wide door. It's like a gaping hole, right? It's open to me. Read the last part. And there are many adversaries soon to come. You can go to Corinthians and you can keep reading and he talks about Timothy and all that he's done and sent and um, it's great. I can't read all of that for you. Back to the point. I am determined to make disciples. See, uh, Paul's done it before. He has Timothy and Erastus, disciples of his that he's going to send out and he's doing it again. He's committed now to do it again, to go on a fourth missionary journey to now make more disciples but I'm cognizant that not everybody here has made a disciple. I'm cognizant here that not everybody is a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? What does it take to follow Jesus Christ? What does it take to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Follow what? Following his death, burial, and resurrection? <laughs> I don't want to die. Well, it's important on demand wants to die. And after this, the judgment, right? So we're all going to die. It's not a matter of, are you going to die to yourself and live spiritually, right? Or are you just going to die and walk off into eternity, heaven or hell at stake? And uh, so, you know, it's, if it's the first time for you, maybe you're like, man, I need to be a disciple of Christ. How do I do that? Believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right? Believe in Jesus. Let's just make it that simple. Jesus is God. He died for you in your place, his sin, all right, his, his blood, whoa, he didn't sin. Strike that. His blood covers your sin when you say, I need that. I need the blood of Jesus Christ washing my sin away. His blood covers your sin. That's, that's salvation, clear as it can be. It's really submitting to him. Then you become a disciple. So how then do you disciple someone else? Well, you share with them the gospel, and then not only the gospel, but baptism to follow, right? And then the Great Commission says, teaching them all things. Whatever I've taught you, teach them. Second Timothy 2.2 says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. 
That's a key verse for our small groups. 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard from me, what you've heard today, what you've heard in small group, what you've heard in Bible studies, what you've heard from the Spirit in your own time, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. You got to make a plan. Spring break's coming up. Anybody have plans? No plans? Got to find a house in Idaho, don't you? That's a plan. Anybody? Plans for spring break? Nobody has plans for spring How about Easter? Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan for who you're going to invite? Right? Uh-huh. You have a plan? We make plans. I'm making a plan to go to the rack today. I'm making a plan to watch some basketball today. I'm making a plan. We make plans about foolish things, right? Really, if you just want to put them on the scale, making disciples is our highest priority. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Have you sat down? Have you thought about it? Have you um, been like, what's my plan to make disciples? It's important. I think you ought to have a plan to make disciples daily. To disciple yourself by reading the word, but then to disciple somebody else, maybe just with a text or an encouraging verse, or maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's your kids, you're with them day in, day out. Like, what's your plan, right? So I just, I just ask you these two questions in closing this point up. Who do you have a plan to invite to church this next week or Easter Sunday or better yet, man, don't even start with ask, asking him to church. Maybe, maybe you just need to start with asking him to Jesus. Have you ever heard about Jesus? Well, yeah, I have. I mean, people say his name all the time. No, no, not like that. You know, like, you know, Jesus, like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the guy that you don't want to say his name the wrong way, you know? Have you heard of him? What do you know about him? Would you like to know more? I mean, just inviting someone into that discipleship kind of relationship. And then this, and it's in the pulpit curriculum, right? We're, we're focused on this. Hopefully you've been following along with that. Who do you plan to pour into? Who's around you that you plan to pour into? I mean, it's easy to go from small group to small group. Like, I'm here and I want somebody, you know, to pour into me. Well, just look in your small group. Right there in your small group, there's all these people that want to pour into you. It's mutual ministry, I get it, but like somebody pouring down into you. Look first in your small group for somebody to pour into or somebody to pour into you. Do you have a plan? Resolve it. Be resolved. Be determined. When you walk out of here, write it down on your paper. When you walk out of here, I know it depends on God, but I'm asking you to be determined, Right? to do something this week to make disciples, right? How are you going to do it? Who are you going to do it with? You get it? Is it clear? Is that clear? It's just two verses, but it's so clear to me that Paul had resolved to continue making disciples. Maybe you need to do it for the first time. Maybe you need to do it again and again. But Paul had resolved. Okay, the second thing. I am determined to endure opposition. Isn't it true? Opposition just, I mean, how many times are we going to talk about opposition? How many times are we going to talk about spiritual warfare? How many times? Give me, give me a number. Like, how many times have we talked about this? I'm like, I'm sick of it. Are you sick of it? 
I'm sick about hearing of it. I'm sick about seeing it in my own life. But we don't want to grow weary in well-doing. I think the reason Acts keeps bringing it up, remember we said God's plan at the beginning? God initiates, man responds, opposition arises, man perseveres. You got to endure. God blesses. That is the plan. That is the cycle in Acts. You see it over and over. You're going to see it again right here right? This opposition keeps coming up and I am determined to endure it. I'm not going to let opposition win. I'm going to suffer well so that you all can see it, right? And I hope you suffer well so the whole world can see it. Why? Because then people will obtain salvation. The elect will be saved. That's what will happen. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Paul at the last of his life. I mean, how much did this guy suffer? And he's like, hey, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life. I do. I want that, right? All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I mean, you're going to face opposition. If you want to walk that narrow way, you're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get tripped up. You're going to have skin knees. It's, that's just part of the deal. That's what Paul says. Why? Well, John MacArthur had this quote, and I, I read it, and I was like, I can't say it better than that, so let me just read it for you. The gospel makes people angry. Is that true? It just does. Why? I don't, but because it confronts them with their false religion, their idols, and their sin, and forces them to recognize the inadequacy of their lifestyle. That's why. You think you're better than me? No, I don't. I don't think I'm any better than you. I just discovered there's something better. People, man, the gospel makes them angry. <laughs> About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. This is the third of six times. And a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines, of Artemis brought no little business to the craftsmen. So let's just look at this uh, like an org chart. Demetrius is like the main guy, the CEO, right? And he does business with all these craftsmakers, these silversmiths and other trades. And he's kind of running this organization and, and they're all getting wealthy off of it because it's a, good, it's a good business. And here's what they're making. Look at this picture. That's Artemis otherwise known as Diana, the goddess of fertility. It, uh, you know, back later when uh, it says a meteorite fell from the sky, like the meteorite must have looked like that. And some guy in his sick, twisted mind was like, that looks like a multi-breasted woman. I'm just, that's, that's, that's what that is. And I'm just like, ugh, right? And so they make these goddesses, please take that down, and uh, go to the next slide. And, and this is the temple right? Where they would worship her. And this is the seventh, one of the seven wonders of the world. It was a big deal. And so um, he's like, hey guys, these gods made with hands, uh, we have this big business. We like, I like eagles. And so I have, I have a few of these. I've gotten rid of many of them because God's changed my heart about materialism. But uh, you know, if you want one, come over. I'd love to give you one. And uh, 
First one to ask me for this one gets it today. <laughs> right, so, so that's how, how much attached I am to this. But I mean, they're like made with hands, right? Like it's like, here's the, and, and they would worship this God. This is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. That statue is nothing. Well, it's a meteor. I fell through the sky. This is a creature created by God. This is material made by man. It's nothing. And I love that line. You know, Paul, Paul, you hear the whiny voice of Demetrius. Paul says that Demetrius, you know, Demetrius is like, Paul says that God's made with hands aren't really God's. <laughs> of course they're not God's. They're made them with your hands. I mean, how do you make a God? It, it doesn't make sense. Even his own argument, it's just, it's senseless. But it whips them up into a frenzy. They're all like, hot. Like, like slap a hornet's nest and see what happens. Hot. And so what do they do? They drag off these two guys that are Paul's companions, Gaius and Aristarchus. They, they drag them off, right? Do you see that? Down here in verse 29. The city was filled with confusion and they rushed in anger together into the theater, dragging Gaius. And so here's the theater that they drug him into. It still, it still stands. It seats like 25,000 people. Remember, there were 300,000 people in, in Ephesus. So this is the seats, 25,000 people. 25,000 people were there all together. And, and the next thing it says is what? So they're angry, right? And the next thing it says is what? Look at verse 32. Well, I don't want to skip this. Verse 30. Paul wanted to go in. Paul's like, 30? 25,000 people? All in one place? I got to go preach the gospel. Let me in. He's like, let me in. And they're like, no. They're like locking him down, right? They're tackling him. It's like a pig pile. Let's, let's just, no, let's not. That would have been fun to illustrate. I mean, it's like a big pig pile, right? And they're like, you can't go, Paul. And they, he's your, I mean, these wealthy guys that know Paul and love Paul, I don't know why, because they're committed somehow weirdly with money to uh, the Roman emperor worship. And they're like, don't go, don't go. They keep sending messengers, don't go. Another guy shows up under the pig pile. He's, don't go. He's like, I can't go anyway. Another guy walks in, don't go. Next messenger, don't go. It, like, they're just like, do not do it, right? It's pretty clear I'm not supposed to go. But look at the next thing, verse 32. Now, now some cried out one thing and some another thing. And like, we want milk. We want cookies. We want, just name it, right? Like they're just all yelling something. And the assembly was in complete confusion. Raise the taxes, lower the taxes. We don't know what we want. And most of them didn't even know why they had come together. I mean, that just reminds me of Facebook. <laughs> that just reminds me of our culture. That just reminds me of TV. That just, like most of the people are so uneducated about what they're ranting about. They have no idea. I mean, just take the shack. I don't even want to talk about this, but let's just take it for Like people are like, the shack is evil. The shack is awesome. And these are godly people and they're saying two different things. And I'm like, 
I don't even care about the shack. Make some disciples. Right? Amen. Like, this is ridiculous. But people are venting one way and venting another way, and they're not even sure, and they're uneducated. They haven't even read the book or done any doctoral study on what it really ramifications are. Like, it's just crazy. And this is the world we live in. Riotous. Picketing. Even Christians. Be careful, Christians. Picketing. And, and we just got to be careful, right? Our reputation's on the line. Some of the crowd uh, prompted this guy who was a Jew and they just shouted him down. They're like, you ain't going to talk. For two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis. Finally, the mayor's like, shut up, right? Shut up. Like, they must have been tired from yelling for two hours anyway. They're like, oh, finally. <laughs> He's like, y'all are nuts. You're all insane. And he rebukes them. He's like, dude, this fell from the sky. This is our main religion. This is throughout the, like, he's like, you're stupid. Why are you even making a big deal out of this? And then he's like, not only rebukes him, he's like, turns on uh, uh, Demetrius and he criticizes him. He's like, you guys are nuts. You need to handle this the right way. You guys are screwed up. Go to the law, Right? And then he's like, at the end, he's got this other thing he says, and he warns them, hey, we're in trouble, you know? The Roman Empire is still authority, right? You need to like settle down and stop the rioting because we're going to be accused of rioting and we're going to lose all our Roman privileges. And so he comes out and he does all that. What's the main point? What's the real issue here? Yeah, it doesn't come to me that quick either. I'll put it on the screen for you. Opposition is sent by Satan to disrupt and distract us from the mission. That's the real thing. Three years of solid stuff. Paul says there's adversaries here, and, and, and he was right. And then they came. And it was on like Donkey Kong. Opposition arises, and it arises. It's from Satan. It's a spiritual thing, and it's sent to disrupt and distract us from the mission. I mean, we had a great service last week. Anybody face opposition this week? He's like, yeah, you know. Because when you confess your sins and you get on God's plan, then Satan's like, I don't like that. Here it comes. And not everybody faced it. Some of us had a really good week, and other of us got crushed, right? But I'm aiming so that you don't have to get crushed, Right? I want you to understand opposition better, what it is, when it's coming, how it is, you know, so that you won't be surprised by the fiery trial and that you'll get through it. Does that make sense? So you got to understand opposition is sent by Satan. It's sent to disrupt and distract you from the mission. You got that? All right, so let's understand opposition. Here it is. Just a couple things that I want you to understand about it. It comes suddenly. It comes suddenly. Like this was like, Boom, right? One guy says a few things to his coworkers or his employees and he gets them all roused up and then they're running through the streets and they're pulling and now you got 25,000 people in an auditorium going, we love Artemis, we love Artemis and if you don't, we're gonna kill you, right? 
mean, it's crazy. Boom. I mean, you bring up some kind of hot button issue in today's culture and you will be in for a big old debate in a second. Anger is like a volcano. When you step on somebody's tro- uh, toes and especially with the truth, even lovingly, boom, right? It's coming. It's bizarre. Now, I want you to just notice what it was about because this is a real good thing too. Two times in Acts, the Gentiles come after Paul. Mostly it's the Jews and that's all religious and pride. But two times the Gentiles. In Philippi, when he cast out the evil spirit and what happened? They lost their business, their money source was gone and you're getting beaten, thrown in jail, right? And then here, what happened? You're threatening my money. You're threatening my security. I'll just take this to our home, okay? So this was their um, source of revenue. This was their claim to fame. Now, what's our claim to fame and source of revenue in Rochester, Minnesota? Mother Mayo. Mayo Clinic, baby. I mean, this is our source of revenue and our claim to fame. Like, when I go someplace, I'm like, yeah, Rochester, Minnesota, home of the Mayo Clinic. Like, that's how I introduce myself, right? Like, home of the Mayo Clinic. You should come visit. Oh, I hope you don't visit anytime. You know, like that's, I'm just telling you, believers, can I just paint some vision over your life? What if, right? We've been praying as elders. What if the church in Rochester and the people of Rochester, even the doctors in Rochester got so into, we want to meet your spiritual needs that somehow it affected the material blessing, right? Of male, and the CEO started going, you know, let's say the CEO, I hope he doesn't do this, but ever. But, but I could see it. This is exact parallel, right? The CEO of Mayo is Demetrius now, and he's like, hey, you stop that. You stop healing people. You stop giving them the truth of the gospel. You stop, because it's costing us money. That's exactly what's happening. Can you imagine that? Can I paint some vision for you? What if we got on that page, and I'm not trying to destroy Mayo, I'm trying to help people with their life, right? Eternal life, right? We have water to drink. We have bread of life. We have things that they aren't going to get downtown. Let me just paint that picture for you. That's a cool vision. I don't want that opposition, but that's exactly what happens when God does something big. It comes suddenly And it's serious. I think I've made that point already. Confusion is a killer. When people are uninformed, it's dangerous. Why do people hate Jews? What have they done? Why do people hate Christians? Why do people hate Jesus? Why? What did Jesus do against you? And yet, the name of Jesus is ridiculed more than any other name. It's crazy. Opposition lacks sense. It really does. These people are so closed-minded, they won't listen. The guy tries to stand up and make a defense and <laughs> shouts him down. I don't want to hear it. And, uh, you know, voices just get louder and we're not listening. Nah, 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 I can't hear you. Nah, 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 I can't hear you. And even the mayor's like, I think you should listen, guys. This last thing, 
Opposition will subside. I want to say it will stop, but it doesn't stop until Jesus comes back, okay? It will subside. There'll be a season of it, and then it'll be gone. There'll be a season of it, and then it'll be gone. There'll be a season of it, and then it'll be gone. And the best way to be done with it, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You're like, oh, good, I'm going to fight. Ephesians 6, I'm strapping up. But I want to remind you, the verses around that, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, are all about dependence. They're all about humble yourself in the mighty, you know, before God, and he will exalt you. So it's on us being weak, on our knees, dependent and determined, right, that we will see the victory. Opposition, it's coming suddenly. It's probably coming this week. We don't know when it's coming. It's not unexpected, but it's bizarre, okay? It's serious, it lacks sense, and it will subside. Knowing that it's coming and knowing that God's in control, could we just all purpose in our heart right now to turn that opposition into opportunity? Could we just all stack hands? Could we just all put hands in and just be like, you know, I know opposition's coming, but we're gonna turn that thing on its head, that opposition I faced this week, I'm gonna gonna be persevering in it, I'm gonna endure it like a good soldier, right? And I'm gonna turn that opposition on its head and I'm going to use it as an opportunity to get the gospel out. I'm gonna use it. think it's wrong if I escape by. What are you facing this week? Right? Because opposition is a real thing. Let's just get it out right now. What are you facing this week? What's in your path, right? We all have something that's just like, ugh, I don't want to deal with this. That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to, re- to depend on God, to you know, see the opportunity for God to work and move. Mountains will move. Chains will break. And we just sang that, right? We didn't just sing it, sing it in vain. I mean, I mean that. I was praying that God would do that in our service today, that your mountain would be moved, that your chains would be broken by the power of God. This third thing, real quickly now. I am, de- I am determined to encourage believers. So you see it there uh, in chapter 20. After uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after that he said, man, it's hard. It's just really hard, man. Like I wanted to come in and he made excuses, right? I wanted to come in, but you know, I couldn't make it. No, what did he do? He encouraged them. He's like, can you believe? Three years we've been doing this. And all these people are angry, but you know what? They don't even know. They don't even know what they're angry about. And we have the gospel. We have the thing that can squash anger, can just take it out. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the peace that passes all understanding. And he encourages them. And he says farewell, and he departs for Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions... He had given them much encouragement. Do you see it there again? Encouragement. How do we give encouragement? How was he encouraging people? He brought cupcakes. He brought, I made these cupcakes for you. Be encouraged. Now, food's always encouraging to people. I get that. But like, how about the real food, right? Like, gift giving is one of my love languages. So I, I drive by flap duels and I'm like, 
dude, staff meetings coming up. I'm just going to buy the, the staff some flat doodles and I'm just going to encourage them, right? And one day I'm driving past and I'm like, dude, you know, it says in Proverbs, right? A word fitly spoken, right? It's like apples of gold on a tray of silver. A word, right? The word, the word of God, a word of encouragement, a word from the word of God. I was at Act Like Men um, a couple weeks ago. Adam, you wouldn't even know this, but that was so encouraging what you did there. He's sitting at the table with three guys that are on staff and we're going back and forth and getting deep and doing what men do, right? And he, and he says, I mean, we get to the end and it's like the last thing, right? And, and you think Pastor Steve's gonna talk or Chris will wrap it up or, and Adam goes, I just got one thing to say. And he speaks truth lovingly to each of our lives. First Brandon, then Chris, then Steve. And he's like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm just like, I mean, just exhorted and encouraged every one of us. I was like, dude, let's go. Come on. Like, I'm just like ready to go, man. Like just a word of encouragement just fills you up so quickly. We got to have that church. We got to encourage other believers I'm determined to do it. I need to write notes. I need to do it more. But there's another encouragement that you don't see and there's, uh, it's not really expressly said here. He doesn't ever say I'm taking an offering, but you got all these guys and you're like, what are all these guys doing here? These are all the offering carriers. These are partners in ministry. I'm glad that he has them so he doesn't get lonely, but these are all the guys that are like collecting offering and, and they're all gonna take them together to Jerusalem. And they go down and they're in uh, Corinth for three months and then they're going to leave, right? They finally all get there. It's like the, the ring. <laughs> it's like we have, the, we have the, what do they call it? You don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, what, what, what is the council? Yeah, the fellowship. It's like the fellowship, right? And they're all like, I lost you all. You're all thinking about the movie now. I'm going to watch the trilogy this afternoon. It's like, you know, they all come together and they're going to travel across and what happens? What do you think happens? Opposition. I don't know how God, God, God keeps helping Paul escape these things, but he keeps him alive again. If he gets on that ship, he's dead. Coin gone, Paul overboard, and he hears about it. And so he goes, I travel. I'm willing to do the hard thing because I want to encourage the saints in Jerusalem. He travels all the way back up and comes a different route. He misses the Passover, which is what he wants to do. He's doing it all. He's taking one for the team. He's sacrificing. He's giving. And these people have given financially. And do you understand? I, I just got to level with you right here. I got to be done, but I got to level with you. Do you know how encouraging it is when I get the numbers every week? I don't know what you give. And a lot of times I don't know who's here because I can't keep track of y'all right now. But when I get the numbers and it says, we had a record attendance last week, 520 people showed up. I'm like, bam! You know, I'm so encouraged by that. And then when I, when I see the offering the last three weeks, it's, it's, it's like a lot of money every week. I'm like, this is amazing, right? The people are giving to this life-giving work. So we might make disciples, right? It's so encouraging to me. Like, man, I've never given a dime. I get it. Give when you're ready, right? 
Give when God gets your heart to that. But, but even your faithfulness, just your steadfastness to be here every week is an encouragement. God, understand. I am determined to encourage believers with the word, with our giving, with our faithfulness. So the application of this is who you're going to encourage this week. Who are you going to encourage? Who are you going to encourage this week? Got somebody on your heart that's blessed you, that's came to church today and said a word to you or something? Can you write them a note? Maybe somebody in your small group, they've been struggling. You've been praying for them for a long time. They're getting the word or something. Maybe you could just help them out this week. Maybe you could just encourage them a little bit. Brother, you're going to do it. Sister, you're going to get through that. How are you going to use God's word, God's money, and the work that God's doing in you to encourage other believers this week? How are you going to do it? I want you to think about the application of these things. Uh, one, you know, there's a table out there. You can just go out there, grab a card, and you can be like right on it with the first thing, right? I got, I got a plan. I'm going to make disciples, right? I mean, that's easy. And then secondly, right? I'm going to go through some opposition. I know it. I'm leaving this place knowing it. We've talked about it a lot. But you know what? I'm, going to, I'm determined to take that opposition. I'm going to flip it on its head. It's going to be an opportunity for the gospel to go out. Everybody's going to see how I handle this thing. And as they see how I handle this thing in a godly way, they're going to be like, there must be a God. Because nobody goes through a trial like that. And then this last thing. we got to encourage one another if we're going to do those things i got to encourage you to make disciples and i got to encourage you to suffer well if we're going to do those things. So we got to encourage each other if we're going to get this done. You guys understand? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for these people who listen so diligently. I can see in them a desire to hear the word, a desire to practice the word. I can see in them a determination to go do these things this week, to go make disciples to go face and endure opposition, to go encourage one another. I can see it, and I pray that we'll do it. Lord, seal it on our hearts. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name.